second one and raise your hands in the third. It's pretty good to see that um, diversity within our church, and we are pleased to have you here. Let's continue with the series Tribes. We're on the third sermon of the series Tribes, and for those that are joining us online, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this sermon is a, this whole sermon is a blessing to your life, but if you missed the first sermon or you missed the, uh, the last one, you got to go back online and see it. And to those in the house, feel free to do the same thing. Now, we're talking about tribes, and it's all based on this book that I was reading on a spiritual retreat that I went. That's not a Christian book. It's about leadership, and it talks about how we need um, heretics to exist in the land of days, but not biblical heretics, people that are daring to do the contrary to what's expected, because if you don't do the contrary and you don't change, your tribe will die. And this book of Seth Goodwin called Tribes is a book that it's kind of motivational for people who want to become leaders. But after I finished reading it, I was sitting and I was specifically at this place called um, Ridgecrest Conference Center and I'm sitting there. And when I'm sitting there looking out to the mountains, I'm actually overviewing a beautiful view of the mountains. It hit me and I said, God, tribes, we have tribes in everything that surrounds us. My family's a tribe. My ministries are tribes. My, my, my in-laws are tribes. Um, and some of you, if you don't really think about it, you wouldn't realize how many tribes you belong to. Some of you belong to tribes of sports. Some of you belong to social clubs. Some of you belong. So whatever it is you do on your floor, the level where you work, you may work on the floor, right? And you have this group and that little group is your tribe inside the big tribe of your uh, 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 business. You may be in the sales department and you're in the tribe of sales department. In your family, you may have a specific tribe with your kids that your wife isn't part of. Or you may have a tribe with your wife. A marriage has a tribe. Some of you relate to your grandparents, and that's a tribe also. So we all have different tribes. And I want to focus it more on family. So what I did was I opened up the Bible, and I said, God, speak to me about tribe. And God took me to the 12 tribes of Israel. And when he took me to the 12 tribes of Israel, he brought me to this. There was so much information on it, it was hard to condense. But he brought me specific to one specific place where there was a tabernacle right in the middle. And all around the tabernacle, the tribes, God armed the tribes to stand there. Now, tribes come from the sons of, of Jacob. Jacob had 12 children, and they're going to become part of the tribes. And then one of the children, which is Joseph, the other 11 brothers. You say, Pastor, it's just me and my wife. We don't have 20 people. Okay, then think about your marriage. If it's your work, if it's your co-workers, think about the co-workers, the people you're with. What makes your organization grow? What makes your business grow versus it failing? And when we thought about the tribes and I looked at the way they were set up, they were set up where three tribes were placed in the north, three, three tribes were placed in the south, three were placed to the east, and three were placed to the west. Now, we've already talked about the ones on the east coast, and we've explained what you need to do on the east coast, and it's that tribes need a leader. Everybody say tribes need a leader. Come on, you can do better. Tribes need a leader. Every tribe needs a leader. And here's the funny part. Every tribe will acquire a leader. It's just, our, do you have the right leader? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And then when we went to the north, in the north we found three other tribes. And we spoke about Dan. We focused on Dan. And he was the tribe that was always vigilant, that was always watching. And this was last week. And if you missed it, what I spoke about was that every tribe needs to be able to see what's wrong and be willing to correct it. See what's wrong and be willing to correct it. If you don't change, and I heard my son shared this with me yesterday, and he, told, he heard it from Rick Warren. I'm going to repeat it off of him, and he off of Rick Warren. After this, you're allowed to use it and not 
quote anybody because we don't know who said it anymore. But after this, it's basically he said that an organization needs to change with culture because if it doesn't, it's not relevant. If culture changes and the organization does not, the organization becomes irrelevant. And you're like, Pastor, the word of God is never irrelevant. No, but if culture changed and you didn't change the way to address the message, you become irrelevant. You have to be able to preach nowadays short sermons. If not, the church will die. And you're like, why, Pastor? Because people don't want to pay attention. No, because there's so much information in little time. We say, Pastor, because people are not smart. They don't want to sit down for two hours, right? They're not like they used to be in the old times. Well, actually, it's all the contrary. They get so much information in such little time that you got to be able to cram all that information into little time. So you got to be exclusive about what you pick. You need to be able to change. I remember the old days when I used to say, um, let's go now to the book of Genesis chapter 48. And we're actually going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 48 in a minute, but don't go yet. In Genesis chapter 48, and, and, and then I would pause and I'd go to my Bible and I'd look it up and I'd go to Genesis and I'd put it there. And then when it was Genesis, it was easy. But when you say something like, let's go to the book of um, uh, uh, Micah, it would take like 15 minutes for people to find it. And most people would not find it and they would fake it and they would open up the Bible and they'd put their finger on the Bible. And they really weren't reading it because they couldn't find Micah because they have no idea. So they just conformed themselves. They were in Ezekiel and they're like, just say this, Michael, right here. And they would stay there. And you would have to wait for every single Bible verse. Nowadays, we use iPads, iPods, and you may have a Bible. That's fine, too. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you could use a Bible. I actually still read at home, and I do my Bible study off a literal Bible. I still do that. It's just it's something old in me that I enjoy. I enjoy holding it in my hands. It's just a traditional thing, and I know I need to change. But even though I do that at home, I learn to change it in church because in less time, I got to get more information. So now it's like you just flick through. You click, 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 and you're there. You know, you can't miss it. You don't even have to learn it where they are memorized because you're going to find them. See, an organization, a tribe needs to change with the culture because if it doesn't, it will die out. We have Indian tribes that died. Why? Because they would not become modern. They would not understand that the, that the Europeans, uh, the Englishmen, or the Spaniards, when they came, they came and they were using guns. And we were trying to use bow and arrows. And obviously, they got liquidated and they got eliminated. Why? Because the organization didn't change. So we realize that it's necessary for every organization, for every family to be able to adapt and change with the family. So we talked about last week, first week was about every tribe needs a leader. And next was every tribe needs to correct. Say it with me, every tribe needs to correct. Thank you. Okay, now let's go into today's sermon. Let's go to the West, okay? Let's go to the three tribes on the West. Now, here's something that I want you to understand. Now, I can't illustrate it perfectly from the altar. It wouldn't do justice. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand right in the middle of, of the stage. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I want you to understand that the tribe that was to the north had a mountain behind it, a gigantic mountain. The tribe that was to the, the, tribe that was to the south also had... Uh, also I'm sorry, north, the tribe that was to the north had a mountain in front of it. The tribe that was to the south had a mountain in front of it. The tribe that was to the east had a mountain in front of it. But the tribe that was to the west had this gigantic plain in front of it. It was just a plain piece of desert. Pastor, and what difference does that mean? Every single tribe was a fighter. But these, this specific tribe had to have the ability to go at war better than all the rest. And the reason they had to do that, it was because it was their weakest point, And they would be attacked. So the three tribes that exist here were all 
fighters and I want to talk to you about fighting okay and I want to go through these three tribes the three tribes are going to come from the three from one son of Jacob called Benjamin Benjamin is the smallest of 12 and then we're going to go into two others which rarely are understood and some people say who the heck are these guys but it's it's uh, Manassas and it's also Ephraim Manassas and Ephraim are two characters that are not the sons of Jacob but Jacob's son called Joseph now follow me and don't fall asleep Jacob's son that is Joseph the guy that in the pit the guy that was sold he had two kids so these are the grandchildren to the father Jacob and what happens is when he comes back in Jacob cannot go and receive the blessing so he sends his two children he brings him into the room in front of his father and he says father you have blessed my 11 brothers I ask you that my blessing you cast it upon my children so now the father is going to take his benediction he's going to declare it over the two kids now you need to understand that the benediction addiction and the blessing of a father is crucial if you're sitting here today as a family you say pastor we don't even practice that in my house you should go back and start practicing it it has power there are powers in the words you say so he comes to these two children and he declares a benediction upon his grandchildren and he actually adopts the children joseph leaves and leaves the two kids with him so now here's grandpa raising these two boys with the smallest son of all which is benjamin the three smallest benjamin Benjamin, the smallest of the 12, and then we have Manassas, which is the oldest son of, of, of Joseph, and then we have Ephraim. So here are these three children, and they become a great nation, and it's not a casual thing that they're placed in the same place. See, all the other brothers had learned to fight, but these three brothers, they had mastered fighting. So they put them in the weakest point and they put them together. Now, here's what I want you to realize about this, which is really cool. See, to to a Bible geek and a nerd like me that I love scripture and I love biblical history, it blows my mind away. Every single one learned, and they were all spiritual, had the tabernacle, but they had, listen, strategy to survive. That's something we lack in our families. Our work, we don't agree. And the lack of strategy is what kills us. This guy stands there and he realizes, okay, when he's organizing, he says, God said three here, three here, the young kid. And then all of a sudden, Joseph sees that, the dad sees that. Genesis chapter 48, verse 17. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So look what he did. He's daring now. In that time, he's very daring. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it to Ephra- from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. He literally took the man's hand. He says, and I'm going to pray over you right now, son I'm going to declare a special blessing. Sorry, right hand. And when he sees that, the father says, hey, hey, wait a minute. He grabs the hand and starts moving it. Hey, dad, you made a mistake. You're blind. You can't see. You're senile is what he's saying. Watch. And look all of a sudden. He says, he moved that. Joseph said to him, no, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your hand on his head. Put your hand on Manassas, not on Ephraim. And look at this, verse 19. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. What he's saying is, hey, I'm blind. I'm not retarded. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. He says, he too, this guy, Manassas, he too will become a people. And he too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he. 
and his descendants will become a group of nations. Now stop. I want you to think about for a second. And this is where I'm going to go. I could teach a lot on this, but I want you to think about this a second. Joseph, the father of the kids, is upset. Man, you're blessing the wrong one, Grandpa. And here's Grandpa with his right hand on the smaller kid. And then Dad picks up his hand and says, pray for this one. This is this one. This one. He goes, I know what I'm doing. This guy's going to be blessed. Manasseh's the older guy. You're going to be blessed, dude. But you, the smaller one, oh, you're going to be greater. You're not going to be as good as this guy. Now, here's what hits me in the head. How do you think Manasseh was feeling at that point? The blessing and the most important part of a Hebrew life is the blessing of your father. And your father's declaring the blessing. He didn't declare the blessing, first of all. He gives it to your grandfather. And your grandfather in front of everybody and all the other 11 brothers says, Dude, you're not going to be as great as your brother. Think about that spirit. Now, he's the older brother and he's being rejected. And in his rejection, it becomes, it gets a little worse. Pastor, it was a little worse. His name. His name, Manassas. Yeah, a pretty nasty name. No, you know what Manassas means? Manassas specifically means one who has been forgotten. So when the baby was born, mom looked at the child, which is an Egyptian woman. She looks at the child, and as soon as she's born, the father looks at the child and says, firstborn, he says, you, I'm going to call you the forgotten kid. So you walk around life. Hey, what's your name? I'm the forgotten kid. <laughs> and what happens when you grew up and you became 18? Well, my, my grandfather also forgot to give me the blessing. Here's what I want you to catch on this. This kid is going to go through strife the rest of his life. This kid is going to go through hard problems. But you know what stands out about Manassas? He never gave up. Gideon, a famous soldier that once had 22,000 soldiers in a war. Gideon once, God told him, get rid of these, get rid of these, get, and go to war with 300. And he went to war with 300 people. Manassas and all his descendants always had... Um, uh, the short end of the stick, that's the phrase, the short end of the stick. They always had the toughest way to go. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now. But have you ever felt that way, that you have the shortest end of the stick? Have you ever felt that you're that brother that was ignored or that sister that was not watched? Have you ever felt that your children do not honor you the way they should? Have you ever felt that at work they don't acknowledge you? Have you ever felt that you want to give up on that ministry because it's not working, because people don't respond to you? They don't pay attention. They don't see you. That's Manassas. But look at his attitude. He becomes a great warrior. He didn't allow that to stop him. He became a fighter regardless of his situation. Lesson number one, for a tribe to survive, you have to fight regardless of your situation. You can't give up fighting. There have been so many times I have been through difficulty in my life. And people say, Pastor, but you have so many victories under your belt. Yeah, but I have just as many failures. I have just as many ignoring situations. It's incredible. You know, I'm the middle brother of the family. And I could go on for hours and hours and hours on a sad story. But you know what? Everybody has a sad story. And here's the situation. I never stopped fighting. And when I want to give up and I don't want to fight anymore because of my circumstance, I turn around and I hear God whisper into my ear, don't stop. Don't give up. So to whoever the message is, today I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't stop. Fight. 
fight. Don't give up. But pastor, you got to understand that my circumstance, pastor, they're jumping me at work. Pastor, you got to understand that my family members, no, 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 no. Don't give up. Don't give up. Fight. Don't get whatever. Pastor, but I'm just tired. Pastor, I'm sick. I don't feel I could do anything. Don't give up. I'm about to give up on my ministry. Don't give up. Fight. A tribe that does not fight will die. Families are dying because parents are giving up. If you give up, your tribe will die. Fight. However, when you fight, look at the next brother. Here he comes, his, his, his immediate small brother, Ephraim. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much t- 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 um, of the details about Ephraim. i just tell you that Ephraim means fruitful in the midst of tribulation is what it means. Fruitful in the midst of tribulations. And, and so this kid is born with the name of a victor. He's meaning no matter how hard it gets, we're going we're gonna to overcome. Because he was born when Jacob came. It's a big story, long story. But he, this kid is born with the name of a, of a champ. So here he is as a champ. And then he's not just a champ. But his grandfather gave him the blessing of the older brother. So now he's like, man, my nation's going to be big. So the kid's walking around pride and happy. But here's what you need to understand. As time grew and his generations grew, he became a great fighter. In the book of Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 30. Chronicles 12, 30. I'm not going to go there because of time. I may put it up on screen. But Chronicles 12, 30. The Bible says the tribe of Ephraim, great and valiant fighters. These guys were known for being the toughest, the best best the biggest fighters of all the smallest of all the tribes the youngest of all the brothers and he was the biggest fighter of all so here he is this courageous fighter with a victory name and going towards the future and here's what i want you to understand he was a fighter but here's the problem with his fight and i'm speaking to somebody out there right now in the book of judges chapter 8 verse 1 i want you to see the attitude that the tribe of ephraim has i want you to i want to show you what they're doing now the Ephraimites asked Gideon they went to Gideon who was part of the tribe of Manassas he went to them they went to them and they said after Gideon went and won the war and comes back they go up to him and say hey why have you treated us like this why didn't you call us when you went to fight the Midians and they challenged them him vigorously. They just kept on, hey, man, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? And they kept on going at Gideon. You went out there and you won the war. And, you... and Gideon's like, dude, I, we won, man. We won. He's like, ah, we don't care. You should have talked to us, man. You They're like, I don't know if you're catching it. They're like, I'm going to say it in slang terms now. Come on, man. We're the bomb. We, you know, we're the Ephronites, man. You should have spoke to us. What's wrong with you? When you go to fight, you know, but Gideon's like, hey, God told me. I had 22,000 soldiers and God told me. That doesn't matter what God tells you. He says, we got this, man. You should have counted me in. How can this ministry do this and not count me? How can you sing that song and not give me a lead? How can you, how can, how can you guys decide to sell the house and not talk to me? How can it be that you had a meeting and you guys made a decision and nobody, come on, man, what's wrong? He's fighting. But the problem is the cause of his fight is messed up. All he is is a complainer. Same thing repeats in Judges chapter 12, verse 1. There's another great warrior, and this great warrior goes out and fights a battle, and he fights the Ammonites, and he comes back. Same team, guys. He's fighting with this. He comes back, and they're without call. And then look what this. They go out to him. They say, hey, 
Jephthah, why did you go fight? This years later. Why did you go fight the Ammonites without calling us to go with you, man? You should have called us. You know what? We're so mad. You know, we're the Ephronites. We're like the best at war, you know? You know, we have the... What's, dude, you know what? We're so upset that we're going to burn down your house. What the heck? The Ephronites had an attitude with the wrong reasons for fighting always. Now stop. Pastor, I don't get it. Why are you fighting? To all the sisters out there, why are you fighting? What's the cause of your fight? Are you constantly at home? Well, these kids, you never put the shoes in the place. My husband always leaving. Oh, awesome silence today, right? I can't even get an amen out of you today. Oh, why are you dead? Mom and dad, you know mom and dad. Stop. Why are you fighting? Why? What's the cause? Is it because you want benefits? Is it because you want to be acknowledged? Husband, why are you throwing that door? Why are you ignoring your wife? Wife, why are you ignoring your husband? Well, I feel that I need a little more. You need what? What's the cause? Now, don't get me wrong. We all get angry, but sometimes the cause of our fight is the wrong cause. Sometimes the reason you're fighting is the wrong cause. And if you're not cautious, listen, guys, guys, with all due respect, here, just between us and everybody online, everybody who watches in the world, okay, here you go. 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 I know of churches that fight for the wrong reasons. The God-ordained churches, and they fight. I know ministries, they're fighting for the wrong reasons. Oh, I want the ministry to be successful because I want that light on me. You got to be, you got to watch, you got to be careful. Now, here it is. In my marriage, as I read this, I thought about how many times I fought with my wife, but I fought for the wrong reasons. I'm mad at my wife, my tribe. I'm mad at her, but I'm mad at her for selfish reasons you gotta fight but number two find out why you're fighting number three let's go to the last character benjamin here's benjamin now benjamin he is one of the 12 brothers he's the son of rachel and his name is son of sorrows he's the replacement guy see the old man had lost his son joseph and then the that was the next to last and then benjamin was born the only son of rachel the woman he loved and he calls his kid he says you're the son and benjamin the first part of benjamin ben means um um born born in sorrow and then the second part means the jamin is added on later and it means you were born in sorrows but uh okay we'll let you be good so it's just kind of a of a of a of a cop-out it's kind of a negotiation okay he's the son of sorrows accepted and watch this look at jacob's blessing upon him jacob look at the attitude of his tribe genesis 49 27 this is the blessing that the, the jacob gives over him look at look at jacob's blessing genesis 49 27 benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning, he devours the prey. And in the evening, he divides the plunder. This guy was a warrior. He was a fighter. He devours the prey. Somebody comes against Benjamin, ooh, they'll come out. That's why all three of them were in front. He's a great warrior. But look at what happened in Judges chapter 21, verse 3. And now before I go there, I want you to understand this. Eleven tribes are scattered through all the nations. They've conquered all the land. And here's Benjamin. And watch what Benjamin does. 
Benjamin starts covering up and doing the wrong thing. At one point, the Benjamites, they went and they committed sin. They literally raped a woman from another tribe. And when the other tribes came to correct them, because tribes need to correct, with their leaders, with the judges, and they came down to the Benjamites, they said, hey, you made a great mistake. And look what, look what Benjamin did. Benjamin turns around and they say, give us the man that committed the rape because we're going to do justice. And Benjamin and his tribe says, no, 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 no. You got you, you to gotta fight. And they cause a civil war. In the Bible, the way it states it, and we'd have to read all chapter 19, 20, and 21 of Judges. But in Judges 21, verse 3, it says, Lord God of Israel, they cried. These are the, all the other tribes. They cried. Why has this happened to Israel? Why should one tribe be missing from Israel today? You know what happened? The other tribes were crying because they were saying, man, we love Benjamin, but why does he have to be so rebellious with us? You have to fight, but you have to be careful who you're fighting against sometimes you're fighting the wrong enemies i'm speaking to somebody and i'm about to wrap up and i'm going to finish in two minutes so listen and pay attention i don't know who you're fighting god called you to fight but be careful who you're fighting i think wives are upset with husbands and husbands are upset with wives but listen listen I think you're fighting the wrong person the bible in ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against demons. Who are you fighting? Are you fighting in your marriage? Are you fighting with your kids all the time? See, here to all the parents out here, you're fighting with your kids and you forgot that your kids are fighting with demons. And here's, here's, my, here's what I'm scared of. My, what I'm scared of is that if you keep on fighting with your kids, they're fighting you and they're fighting demons. Your kids are destined to lose. There's moments you got to back off people who are going through sickness and i'm telling you fight you may say pastor i want to fight but you got to understand pastor man i'm sick i'm going through a tough situation pastor it may be financial and i'm telling you to fight be careful who you're fighting with you may be fighting with your spouse with your husband with your child you may be fighting with the i can't get it when churches fight amongst themselves i don't get it we don't get that here your pastor no you're kidding me no no i'm serious we don't get that here we don't go to board meetings and have people fighting at each other. We have wonderful board meetings. Pastor, you're kidding me. Yes. Pastor, how about your pastors and your committees and your groups? When we get together, it's hard for me to get them to actually argue something because they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. And they're hugging and loving. They're united. And what does that do? It makes this tribe flourish. And when there's a disagreement, we end up saying, let's come in agreement because we're not at war against each other. We're at war against Satan and everything he's trying to do in our society. So my question to you is, who are you fighting? My, my, my wife has an addiction problem. My son has an addiction problem. We have a problem at home with this. Who are you fighting? You need to fight, but you need to know why you're fighting. And you need to know who you're fighting. Sometimes I get mad at my children, and when I get really, really mad at my kids, when I get really, really mad at them, yes, sometimes I yell, and sometimes I scream, and sometimes I want to slap them, and yes, it's all in me. And I'm not saying you can't disobey. I'm not saying not to put order. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you got to be careful because sometimes your fight against them is for somebody out there. You're really hurting yourself. You're fighting against your family. Instead of fighting against the enemy of your family. And you're hurting yourself in the process.
See, when I hurt my wife, I could walk away from her, but I can't walk away from my heart and how I feel in the process. So I need to stop and analyze. Who am I fighting with, really? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. You need to fight for your tribe to survive. You need to fight. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why you're here this morning. But I will tell you, you need to fight at work. You need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for your children. You need to fight the battle. You just can't give up. Everything you've been through, the hell and the high waters, the tough situation is because God's telling you, fight. Your pastor, I got nothing left in me. If you didn't have nothing left in you, why do you think God would send you here this morning? He sent you here this morning because I'm the messenger telling you that you still have some fight in you. God wants you to fight for your tribe but you need to know what fight you are really picking you need to determine if you're fighting the wrong battles friends visitors members church owners listen if you're fighting the wrong battle you're gonna wear yourself out you are wearing yourself out fighting the wrong battle you will not succeed for your tribe to survive you need to fight the right battle you need to fight the right battle so I come before you today. <laughs>